coming in on three, two, He's one. Welcome to another episode of Bruce Booze and Reviews. Yeah! I Hot like this shot full of shit. That's about it. <laughs> was, that, was that recorded? <laughs> it's not an episode if you didn't make something up. And the average for the beer that everybody loves is really high. I like getting shit on. Welcome to another episode of Brews, Booze, and Reviews. I'm your host, Knox. This is a childish podcast about adult beverages. With me today is Big Earn. I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, that's not how it goes. I don't think... I'm excited to be here today. It's going to be a fun day. We got Chris. Hey, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting chock full of spirits today. Chock full Ch- of full. <laughs> yes, and we are here with uh, Sherry Reese. From Far North Spirits, because we are here at Far North Spirits, just outside of Halleck, Minnesota. Hi, Sherry. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming up here. Well, thank you for having us here at Far North Spirits. Um, well, let's get right into the meat of things. Uh, how long ago did you just decide to be distilling your own spirits, per se? Like, How did that start? Well, it's amazing, because when I look back now, it's almost, it's over 10 years ago that we first had the, the seed of an idea to move home, build a distillery in the middle of a wheat field, and, and start up. We actually started distilling on October 9th, 2013. Fantastic. Yeah. And where, where, where were you before this? You, you said they had to move up here. Where were you before? We were living in St. Paul. St. We Paul? Were, yeah. But down, we were city kids for 20-plus years before moving home. Are you originally from this area then, apparently, since since you called it home? Yeah, this is my husband's family farm, and I was a city girl. I grew up in Halleck. (laughs) Go Bears. (laughs) Nice. What started the seed after you moved back up here to Halleck, Minnesota? What got you on the the trip to be, you know, to maybe I should make some whiskey. Maybe I should make some gin. Maybe I should make some vodka. I mean, how'd you get up to that point? Well, it really started with the farm and this idea of... You said it was okay to swear, right? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to go there. So we had a friend who was really a mentor to us in in Minneapolis, and we were like, Dave, man, what are we going to do with our lives? We just can't do this corporate shit anymore. And he said, if you see an exit ramp, take that fucker. There you go. And I tell you what, we were driving home from the cities one day, and we got off on exit 187, and Drayton and I went oh my god a farm we've got a farm why the hell haven't we thought about moving home and doing something with a farm and so that's really what the driver was the farm and this idea of making a finished product out of grain my husband was getting his MBA at the time and he wrote a paper for an entrepreneurial class and the paper was called Two River Rye (laughs) and it was about a craft distillery and that that was the seed of the idea that started us down this path. And the, the idea started with rye just because we grew up in Halleck, 20 miles from the border, where if you made it across, they'd, you know, serve you. If you could see, if you get your, get your hand up on top of the bar, they'd serve you rye whiskey. Right? <laughs> yeah. And right. so rye whiskey was kind of the, the vision um, and this idea of really um, going deep with the, the ingredients, focusing on the grain making a finished product out of something that we grew here on the family farm. That's awesome. So all this is like your own grain 
Specifically, it all is. the grains here. It is. That is. I don't think that's of. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah, I don't know how else cool. to explain that other than it's really nice to know that a, an actual distillery owns their own farm and grows their own shit. That's pretty awesome. So, when you lived in uh, St. Paul, did you do any like uh, brew beer or any any anything similar to? We or let's just... would dress up and have blind gin tastings. Like Ooh. that was our thing. We didn't, we're not brewers. Did you like throw gin in each other's eyes so you got blind or <laughs> what do you mean? It, just, <laughs> it burns. It's like, oh, what's, what's a fun thing to do on a Saturday night? I know. Let's go to the liquor store, buy seven different kinds of gins and taste them without knowing which one they are. To ah. Like we were just into that kind of <laughs> cocktail, fancy drinks, big foodies. Like our, our idea of entertainment was to go out for dinner and, and drink wine and, and so that world was always, and farm-to-table chefs were a huge influence of ours. We, um, we followed Lenny Russo in St. Paul from Heartland to Heartland when, you know, we were just really into the whole idea of the slow food movement and Alice Waters, and that was our inspiration, and that's really what buoyed us to this whole idea of doing grain-to-glass spirits. Hell yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I also enjoy drinking and eating. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. It's like these are right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> I like blind tastings. Yeah, we actually had a just had a budget bourbon blind tasting a little while ago and we did uh, six different bourbons under thirty bucks. See, that's that's a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it was. A heck of a lot of fun. What I remember of it. <laughs> <laughs> Our next step is gonna be from thirty one dollars to sixty dollars. And that should be interesting. We'll, there's a we'll lot be of them right out in there. there. Yeah. yeah. So what was the first spirit you guys made in 2013 then? It was our Solvay gin. Um, and Solvay was really not only the first spirit we made, but it was the first kind of concept of a spirit that my husband Mike had. And he wanted to make a gin that reminded him of the way the prairie smells in early June after it rains. And it's very verdant. It's very lush. Um, you don't necessarily smell juniper first. You smell a little lavender, a little thyme. Um, and so that's, that was our, our first child. And we, the name Solvay uh, is a very Scandinavian woman's name. Um, and uh, if you're into music like we are, uh, Solvay's song was a, a song we were familiar with. So that's where the name comes from. Well, that's great because there's going to be a lot of uh, those kind of influences, I think, in our in the, your spirits today, particularly with the uh, the rum that we're going to try later on. But my, I got to tell you, you said it uh, you said it right when you get not just juniper in the nose, but other things too. Your citrus here is grapefruit. We're using red grapefruit peel and grapefruit and thyme. I mean, like I mentioned, we love to go out and eat, and it, you know, gin is kind of like an artist painting. You got a blank palette and you decide what citrus, what herbs, what roots do you want to play with and paint with and grapefruit and thyme are really wonderful together. Yeah. I mean, this has just a really nice appeal to it on, on the mouth flavor too. Or on the mouth feel, I should say. I think that got to on uh, the top 10 back in the 70s too. Song, Grapefruit and Thyme. Grapefruit. <laughs> Do the hustle. A best of. Yeah. Yep. Oh. oh come on. Nobody else was saying anything. <laughs> the 70s, man. I'm on that podcast. Let me know when that is. That's my, that's my jam. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get a little bit of that, um, that rosemary in there for sure. 
Some of that lavender. Oh, yeah. I get kind of uh, the background of some like roots. Root. Mm-hmm. We're using orris, gentian. I personally do not have a lot of experience with gin. And always the first thing, I had a bad experience with gin, probably because it was cheap, shitty gin back in college days. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing I get is like, I always say like, it smells like carrot tops. It smells like, like a Christmas tree. You know, right. you get that. Or you, uh, juniper, I guess, is probably what yeah. that yep. smell is. Yep. So. yep. But if you take a little time, you get, I get a little bit of that. Uh, just say lavender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get grapefruit until you said it, and then I was like, oh, there is that's that citrus that in there. Because, yeah, I don't know much about gin. Um, I, well, I enjoy some gin drinks, but... Something about never having three wishes is all I know. I love, I love gin. The only, the only criteria, according to the, the feds, we, all, of our, all of our spirits are governed by the Tax and Trade Bureau, known as the TTB. And the only thing that you have to have in gin to make a gin is juniper. You have to have juniper in there. And some gins are just juniper. There's nothing else. There's a big juniper bomb. And that's awesome, too, if you like that. Um, but I, I think there's just so, there's so much to play with. Um, the other gins we have, we have three gins, and they all have a completely different botanical profiles. Oh, I really like this. This is super wow. tasty. It's almost sweet at first. Mm. So this is a, is a gin that people who don't think they like gin. That's, right. This is a be like, mm-hmm. oh, I had a bad experience with gin and, and la, la, la. And it's like, here, try this. Try this. Yep. This is, what is that? That is a, that's sweet and floral yes. all at the same time. That's, wow. That's a, and it's got a little bit of, you know, the alcohol burn to it, but it's, uh, you know, not overpowering. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really not smooth. It's not one that'll that'll make you cry. You know, it, it doesn't burn on the way down. <clears throat> it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it doesn't burn on the way down. Could, you take that or, back, Chris. Uh, I am crying. I could be lying. Yeah. No, this is delicious, and, and no. yeah, it doesn't have that alcohol burn that I typically get with something like um, Tangeray or something weird. So, uh, can you tell us what all you use for the aromatics and and the um the va- what you put in the in the vaporizer, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our we have a dedicated fifty gallon gin still copper pot um, made by the fine folks at Vendome in Kentucky, and it is a four plate column still. At the top of it is a silver basket, and that basket is where our botanicals go. We put them in a, a little bag. They get tucked into that the top of that column, and then as the vapor travels up the column, um, it picks up the flavors and the, the aromas of the botanicals. And that's... That's that pick, front one? That's the front one there. It's a little... Her name is Dolores. She's named after Aww. my grandma. My <laughs> nice. grandma was, My grandpa and grandma had the greenhouse in town, and grandma had a green thumb. So we named our gin still after Dolores. So you're uh, so using strictly corn, or what, what grains do you use then So our grain-neutral spirit for the gins is a corn-based... Minnesota corn, yep. And that's, so that's 51% corn or 80%, 95%? 100. 100% corn? 100% corn, oh, wow. yep. Nice. Our grain-neutral spirit, we don't make our own grain-neutral spirit any longer. We did when we started. We did for about six years. Um, grain-neutral spirit is 
incredibly labor intensive to make. Yeah, I see um, your other still here. It's got that eight different sections in it. Yeah, and we made it on that still, which is really a whiskey still. Um, to make grain into spirit, you essentially make Everclear. Yep. And so um, to get that up to 190, 191, uh, that final run would take four days. And Mike would be out here sleeping on the couch with a cat on his head for four <laughs> days while that still ran. And it just, it got to be a thing where we were like, God, do we stop making grain neutral spirits so that we can make more whiskey? And that was a pretty quick answer to that question. <laughs> so we, we get our was grain neutral spirits. hell spirit. in front of that yeah, answer? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah it's corn based uh gns and uh minnesota corn and then yeah and then like i said it's just like a, a painter's palette you just decide after juniper what do i want to do where do i want to go is there a rule on how much juniper has to be in it just enough there's just a drop yeah i think i think most most gins are going to use probably at least 25 percent um, just to, otherwise you're not going to get any okay. juniper in there. So you, do you see just the grapefruit peel, thyme and lavender that you have in the, um, in the vaporizer, th the, in the no, cage? It's also, um, Angelica, orris root, gentian, uh, I believe we're using coriander in this, uh, a yeah. little bit of cucumber as well. Ah. Uh, a lavender, a very small amount of lavender, man. You don't need much lavender. It's powerful stuff. Good to, to know. Floral. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very wonderful, and uh, thank you for letting me try that. Now you have a sec another, you said you have three of them, so this is going to be your latest release, right? Anna's Garden. Yes. It's also got a blue tinge to it. Tell us about this one. Yeah, so this one uh, just came out in April. It's brand new, and it's a seasonal gin. And we named it after the matriarch of the family, Anna, who um, just, we were inspired by a couple of things going back in our uh, farming history here. Her husband, Gustav, started the farm in 1917, and one of the things that he and his son, Albert, grew on the farm was flax. And we actually grow flax now to rotate in with our corn right out here. And if you've ever seen flax bloom, it's this beautiful periwinkle blue color. Oh. And so this is inspired by the color of that. This isn't colored by flax. It's really hard to achieve a blue color in nature without killing people. So this is, <laughs> this is a blue food dye that we're using to make it blue. But that's where the color and the inspiration came from. And then we're using dill. Um, you know, ah, if you can see, this, that, yeah. this packaging is very Scandinavian. So um, Anna's Garden. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're using dill, which is a very Scandinavian herb. We're using lemon peel. Uh, we're using cardamom, which you commonly find in Scandinavian baking. And that's super floral stuff. Right. Um, I, I think it's got a little bit of a warming note to it okay. as well. Yeah. I think the floral you're getting here is hibiscus. Hibiscus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now that would impart some red or pink. If it, you, it and it's could. really powerful stuff. It too. is. Yep. Yep. My, the nose in this one is, is It smells like pleasant. a spring rain. It just, mm. it's light. It's yeah. refreshing. It's floral. I, I, Get a little bit of the lemon once you set it. I'm like, there's, it's not just juniper. There's, yeah, there's other stuff, but it's, it's very light and refreshing. Just, just on the smell. This has been a 
wildly popular, and I think the color is is very alluring. It's it's just such a pretty color, and people see it from a, a distance, and they're curious about what it is. But it is um, we're pouring it in our cocktail room in something called a Spanish style gin and tonic, using a great big wine glass, filling it with this and a premium tonic, and then we're using fresh dill fresh thyme, lemon and lime, and an edible flower. So it's like this little garden of a cocktail, and people love that. Did you say edibles? <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. Oops, I went off on the board there. Mm. Oh, man. This just this aroma in this is just enticing. No, after you said that, that warming note, I got that immediately on the tongue. When I took that first sip, it's like, oh, this, this is like a, a, a warm fire for my tongue. It's just It's got that warmness to it, and it's just... Very pleasant. I love this one. It's got some spice to it. What? Yeah. Would that be hibiscus? It's like right on the top of the tongue. I, don't. I, I wonder if it's not. It, it, we're using both orris and gentian in this as well. And that could be where you're getting the spice. This now. is quite a bit different than the, the first one. Mm-hmm. Solving. Yeah. And, but yet still has the same base. You get that. That floralness in it. Yep, Daddy's going home with a bottle of this, I think. Yeah, most definitely. All right. So, what was the third gin that you made that we we don't have it? Yeah, the third gin is Gustav. Gustav Navy Strength Gin. So, two things about that one. That is, um, for for many years, that was our go-to. That's what we drank the most at home. That's the 120? It's 114 proof. 14, okay. Yeah. Navy Strength refers to the proof that was allowed board on... Uh, battleships back in the black powder days and the story goes that if it was if it got the gunpowder powder wet it could still ignite and that's why it had to be 57 percent abv yeah i remember hearing that story that was great i love that hearing stuff like that yeah here's to you navy (laughs) go navy right yep so gustav is a whole nother um variety of botanicals we're using Meyer lemon which if you know it's a little it almost looks like a tangerine it's got a little bit of an orange tint to it and it's sweeter than traditional lemon uh we're using uh cuba berries which are peppery it gives it a little bit of a spicy kick and we're using fennel so it's got a little bit of an anise flavor um, and then we're yeah, using yeah. Orange. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to <laughs> just say anus. <laughs> no, we, we do that joke all the time on here. Yeah. That, that's how yeah. mature it we are. It cracks me up every time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think farts are still funny, and I'm 43. I don't know. I don't give a shit. <laughs> when I squeeze the ketchup bottle and it makes that noise, I yeah. still laugh. Yeah, still a little chuckle, but it's okay. It's all right. Yep, yeah. So, anise, of course, everybody knows it's kind of like that uh, black licorice type yep. of flavor. Yep. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And that one is a big juniper bomb. We're using. Uh, triple the amount of juniper in Gustav than we are in our other gins. So if you like a really juniper-forward gin, and that's a great, like, gimlet, martini, that's your go-to for a classic gin cocktail. Right on. I'm down for that. So the one thing I wanted to be, uh, be sure to talk about, especially with, with you today, is the Nordic Spiced Rum, because this was my first sample of something that I truly thought was, holy shit, this is so... Midwest, I can't stand it. <laughs> but it's so goddamn delicious. And I've been trying to track something down as good as that, and I haven't yet. So tell us about the Allender Nordic Spice Rum and the nice fancy black bottle. Yeah, the sexy black bottle. So uh, this came from, my husband worked in uh, marketing in the Caribbean and uh, Latin America. 
and he got to visit a lot of really, really great countries that made amazing spiced rum in-house. And so his love for the kinds of rums that that were made at bars in the Caribbean, that's where this came from. It's not at all like your, your major label spiced rums. It's very light, but the spices are very forward, and we're using all whole bean, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, and clove. I think when anybody God, thinks spiced rum, right, it's Captain Morgan. Yeah. Everybody goes to that. Or right? Sailor Jerry's, one of the two. Right. But, you, you know, it's uh, that dark rum, mm-hmm. super sweet. Um, this this is not, isn't dark at all. No, it's very hydrated pea color. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, yeah. A, tin, a tinge of color. Yes. Yeah. And the only color comes from the spice infusion. Okay. So the spices literally go into a tank and the vanilla goes into a tank first, and we use six pounds of uh, vanilla beans. We're doing fair trade, sustainable vanilla beans that we found uh, from a Ugandan woman-owned vanilla bean farm, which I just love. Nice. And um, we do a whole month-long infusion of vanilla beans. And then, uh, so how, what's the base made out of? What, uh, what grain is that? Yeah, so it's we're using cane sugar. Um, cane sugar. TTB, our friends at the TTB, uh, stipulate you have to make rum in the United States out of cane sugar. You cannot make it from beet sugar and call it rum. We source it domestically. We get it from Louisiana. We're using turbinado. Uh, turbinado is kind of a larger grain than like what you'd think of as American crystal sugar. Larger grain, little little more blonde color. And then demerara, and demerara is almost gold. Um, it's more molasses, so yeah. raw sugar cane. And we combine those two, and then we distill it to a white rum on our 500-gallon copper pot still. Um, and then after we've distilled the spirit, we put it into tanks and infuse it with the spices. It takes about a month to make. I love this. I love it. All the spices, all the all the flavors. This is the best spice rum I've ever had. It's, and so, so it's not aged at all, right? It's not. Okay. No, we do an aged rum as well, um, but that is not spice. So we take our white rum and we put it into our used rye whiskey barrels, and um, that has been that's probably my favorite thing to drink. It tastes like almonds. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Man, so what do you guys get on the flavors in this one? I'm still trying to figure out what that nose is. That clove. Yeah, it's a little bit of that clove. A little bit of that clove, and I get vanilla at the end. There's cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of folks have said, they feel like it kind of reminds them of the ginger snap cookie. Yep. I was going to say baking spices in here. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I love this stuff. So it's it's um it doesn't definitely has like a Christmas in a glass. (laughs) taste to it. <coughs> yeah, it goes down he smooth. Loves it so down much. <laughs> look, look at us rookie drinkers. Jesus. Sorry. Wow. Can't hold nothing down. <laughs> Three years in and we still don't know what we're doing at all. Nope. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were no, saying. I was going to say it's uh, this time of year we like to mix it with ginger beer oh, and, and lime. It's that, a killer. This? Dark and stormy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah I, Anne would love that too. Like a big ginger except for, yeah. Yeah. Oof. That's yeah. yeah. That's my go-to. If I'm not drinking whiskey straight, it, I just put ginger ale with it. And... Ginger ale is like the most um, malleable spirit or, uh, mixer out there. You can mix it with any yeah. gin, rum, whiskey. Goes with everything. Makes everything sexier. You said ginger beer, though, correct? 
ginger beer ale. or ginger, ginger ale? ale. Oh, ginger okay. ale. Yeah, I think ginger ale is the most flexible. It just you add some ice and I don't know a lemon it, it wedge br- and it brightens things up yeah. so much. Yeah. It, see, even chef agrees. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we here at BBR will highly recommend this uh, Nordic style spice rum for those out there. And yes, it's it'll be a great mixer, something completely different for your palate. We just stumbled upon this too. I think when we did our first rum episode. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's good. this bottle looks cool. Let's grab that. Yeah. And it was so different from everything else. And I, right. I it's the only one I spice rum that I can drink plain. I bet my uh, my notes now would be probably different than from back then because you know my initial. Uh, journey into rum was pretty much like Bacardi Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bacardi Lamar. Ron, Ron Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm on a budget. Yeah. There's, Perfect. I mean, there's an amazing number of fabulous rums out there. It's hard to, it, 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 you know, price, it's hard to compete with Caribbean style rums that are aged for 12 years and they're, you know, $35. I don't know how they do it. Um, but we, we just kind of wanted to make something that was, you know, fun we're, we're not growing the grain for this this is just purely an expression of hey we got a distillery let's make rum <laughs> why not why wouldn't you yeah when in rum i wish more people had that kind of mentality that'd be great to get some really nice mgp rum <laughs> well crafted rum <clears throat> yeah right. i like this that's delicious yeah this uh you know this is going to be if we were to rate this it'd be super high rated for sure um, I, I would probably put this in the five category. It, it's one of my five. it's one of my favorite rums, spiced or not. So Sherry, we're going to take a quick ad break, uh, hear from our sponsors, and then uh, we can come back and hear the rise story, and then get into Love some it. of these whiskeys. Oh, sound good? Excellent. Yay. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll be right back after this. Miss us. Ladies and gentlemen, we might mention Bridgeview Liquors a lot around here, and there's a there's a really good reason why. They pay for a lot of our booze. But uh, one of the great things about them, not just the paying us in alcohol, is they truly seem to love what they do. They, they're knowledgeable as hell on almost every type of alcohol. Anytime I have questions, that's where I go. That's why I love Bridgeview Liquors. And I know for a fact that they have knowledgeable staff because if you go back to our Brandy's and Cognac's episode, uh, Evan, their store manager, their, his store pick for Brandy's was the winner for the day. And I'm also impressed immensely with their huge selection of craft beers, not only locally, but as far away as four or five other states, which is more than an armful away. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of their knowledgeable staff, I found out that the word Gewürztraminer means a noble grape. While at Bridgeview, um, it is basically a grown-up version of a Moscato. Bridgeview has a wide selection of local as well as really hard-to-find wines. I like Gewürztraminer wines just because I like to say that word. Dude. And I'm German. Gewürztraminer is about the funnest thing you can do with my mouth. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And one of the fun things about Bridgeview that I like is that uh, how regularly they post on social media the new beers and liquors they get in with pictures because I'm a picture guy. Um, I like to see the Not much a reader, huh? No. (laughs) But Bridgeview has the picture, so I'm like, oh. That's the beer I'm looking for. I can look at the picture. I can go look for the can or the bottle and, you know, figure out, match them up and everything. And they do that uh, weekly on all their new releases for that week. So it's kind of nice. I like that. And you can find those social media posts on Instagram and Facebook 
at Bridgeview Liquor, and their website is bridgeviewliquors.com. And you can go to their location at 935 37th Avenue South in Moorhead. And when you do go to their location at 935 something in Moorhead, if you mention Brews, Booze, and Reviews at the checkout, you save 10% off of all purchases. 10% off all purchases. So th- 10% off all purchases. Thanks once again for listening to our podcast. We love and appreciate all of our listeners, and we really love and appreciate you at Bridgeview Liquors. 10% off all purchases. All purchases. What would you like to eat tonight? I don't know. What are you feeling? Uh, you know, I, I could go for burgers or wings. I don't know, maybe even pizza. What are you thinking? We just had pizza. I don't know. Uh, that's why I'm asking you. Well, maybe we should look online. Is it what? It happens in nearly every home in America almost every day. At some point, someone asks, what are we going to eat tonight? Worry not. Fargo Takeout's artificial intelligence robotic chef, The Decisionator, is here to make the choices for you. You'll find its three top choices for takeout. If none of the three choices sounds good to you, just click the Nope, Try Again button. Even an artificial intelligence robot chef gets it wrong once in a while. The next time your relationship seems strained based upon what's to put on the table, Turn to FargoTakeout.com slash Decisionator. And remember, save a meal, save a marriage. FargoTakeout.com slash Decisionator. Welcome back from our ad break, guys. How you doing? Ah, Great. Excellent. Some awesome gin, some cool rum. (laughs) Ready for some whiskey. Ready for some whiskey, yeah. There we go. All right, Sherry, uh, take us back to after you made your first, uh, it was gin, that was your first spirit, right? Yes. What came after that, and how long until you started it? Well, our rum, our Olander spiced rum was our second spirit. and We love that shit, for sure. Yeah, that was a high score, a high score. And then while we were making those, we started laying down whiskey. Um, and everybody knows whiskey's got to go in a barrel. And so we started making rye whiskey in 2014. What's your, do you know your mash bill? Yes. Do you, you want to share that? You don't Absolutely. Have to. It's okay. actually on the back of every label. All right. Yeah. What do you got? So our, our first mash bill of our first rye whiskey release is 80% rye, 10% corn, and 10% malt barley. It's, you almost have to have... Well, I think at least a minimum of 5% malted barley to give that those enzymes to get the, the process going for the for alcohol, right? I mean, I haven't met or haven't seen an alcohol yet except for Everclear or 100% corn spirits that doesn't have some malt, malted barley in it. We get our um, we get our malted barley from a guy named Adam Wagner, who I bet you guys have talked to at Vertical Malt. If you Vertical Malt? Not yet. He's no, but- amazing. It's it's great how much how many local industries are you know participating. Well, Revelation in uses uh, vertical. I was yeah. just mm-hmm. gonna say I just saw something about vertical malt and I'm like, yeah, it was just. Uh, it was yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> it was we about 24 hours beers. ago, actually. Yeah. They're great. They're I mean, Adam's a farmer as well, and he grows kick-ass barley, and he's got his own malt house. So we get. He's a maltster. He's a maltster. We get malted barley from him, and then we also send him our rye, and he malts our rye. So we get a custom rye malt for oh, wow. our 100% rye from Adam. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. So he's not like Al Capone maltster. Yeah. yeah. I think you cracked that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's still bad. Cap- yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain <laughs> Syphilis himself. <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, yeah. you started the, the so you, you started we got you start out with rye. Yeah. And now you gotta get barrels. So what kind of barrels do you use and where do you get those? So we get barrels from two cooperages in Minnesota. One is called the Barrel Mill and the other one is Black Swan. And uh, they're both just like world do they use, class. Do they use northern wood or southern wood? It, they've used a mix. Um, initially, they were using wood from mostly Missouri and Pennsylvania. They've started using wood from Minnesota recently. The reason why I ask is because I, I think the north, more, more northern wood, it's going to be a lot denser, really sure. hard to breathe. So you might have to uh, age that shit longer. But. In, you you sure know your wood. Well... He pretends. It's like Annis, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she gets another one. Where is that at? There it is. Three points today. That's awesome. Yeah. The, so the yeah. Our guests sure. have been kicking our ass lately. They have been. Yeah. So I we need to step up our game. I'm just sitting here taking it all in. That goes with the wood too. <laughs> that goes with Knox's wood. I'm tying them together. Mm. So the yeah the denser the wood um, we we understand that you're going to have more vanilla flavors. Um, it's amazing you talk to people who from France who are you know aging wine and in different kinds of casts and the effect that the flavors that you you get out of the wood it's it's just it's like that's a whole another research project right mm-hmm. yeah so so when do you release your first whiskey? And what is it, and what do you call it? So our first whiskey we released, I, I believe it was 2015. It's kind of a blur. I might have been drinking too much. <laughs> but it was called Rockner Minnesota Rye Whiskey. And that's a two-year? And it's two-year-old, yeah. Okay. Just, just shy of two years. We're using a 15-gallon barrel. So we're doing three different barrel formats, 15, 23, and 53. And our 15-gallon barrels are... Um, You'll, you'll, that's most of the whiskey that you'll find on the shelf right now is, is coming of our 15-gallon barrels. And we're doing um, just shy of two years, and then it goes into cognac. Our Rockner Minnesota rye goes into cognac for about a month and, and rests in cognac before we bottle it. What, what cognac? Remy Martin XO. Oh, nice. So is that going to be your, is that your average age limit is two years or you, uh, you had a barrel program coming? What is that like? Yeah. So our, we released our first uh, five-year-old whiskey uh, last November. We released a five-year-old bourbon and we just had two 53-gallon barrels of it and it went in, you know, in the bottle and out the door and we, it was gone. It was just sold out really quickly. It was really beautiful. Um, we have a... A five-year-old. If you walk in the back of the barrel room, you'll see the 53s. They're sitting there. We've we've been filling filling them as fast as we can. Um, we are making whiskey and filling it and selling it. It's just it's it's exploded. I mean, it's amazing. Who knew it? Well, pandemic. that sounds like a great problem to have. I know we we are still a problem. But. Some way a victim of our own success in that it is hard for us to get enough whiskey made quickly to be able to fill current orders for you know, 
two-year-old whiskey and then also lay down 53s. We're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, uh, we double our workforce in the winter months when two local farmers aren't in the field. They come in and work. So we're doing seven to seven, you know, six days a week kind of thing in the wintertime. Um, but we do have a five-year-old 100% rye coming out this summer. Um, and we are, like I said, well, laying Is down. that a specific name or is that just It is, is our Rockner 100% rye. So all of our ryes right now are called Rockner. So okay. we, have, we have four different kinds. We have Rockner Minnesota rye that's finished in cognac. We also have a limited release Minnesota Rockner that's finished in Sauterne cask. Sauterne is a French dessert wine. Um, we also have a Maryland-style Rockner. And then we have our 100% Rockner. What you're pointing at right now is our super double secret exclusive Pedro Jimenez Sherry Cask Finish Rockner, which we only do for a couple of stores. Um, and that's going to be super sweet because we, we did that lovely. Pedro Jimenez. That was super. That's like the sweetest sherry we had. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's um, really lovely. We're going to send 20, 20 cases out to Georgia next month. So it's, it's, I can't tell you there's few things more gratifying than sending whiskey down to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going well. They're, they're eating it up. So that's So fun. what's your average age now? Are you still putting out the two year or yeah. are you graduating up to uh, minimum age is four years or what do you got? The 15s are still two. And then the, we have some 23s that are between two and three years. And then the 53s are a minimum of five years old. Okay. So the longer we're around, the more. Yeah, the older the whiskey will get. Yep. Fun. Yeah, it is. It's super fun. Um, I, I think that in addition to the age, you know, aging is definitely a, a something we're looking at and wanting to do longer. But we're also very interested in the grain going in the front end of the process. You have you have a a rye whiskey that's like fifteen different varieties, correct? Correct. So yeah. Let's talk about that. You, this, this rye program you just came out with, right? Yeah. So we did a we studied rye varietals for five years. We got a grant from the Department of Ag, and uh, we planted fifteen different varietals of rye because we wanted to see controlling for all factors. Does the variety alone influence the flavor? And so we, we grew these different varieties in one-acre test plots right outside the distillery here. And we cleaned them, and then we milled, mashed, fermented, and distilled all in the same exact fashion. And we put it into clear bottles with a number on them, and we t put it in front of as many pallets as we could. So we had about 200 people across the country, not just in this area, but across the country, taste these white whiskey distillates. And we asked them to score the, those distillates on a scale of one to five. And then we also asked him to write down, what are your impressions? What are you tasting? And we got things like floral and metallic and nutty and gasoline. You know, we got all kinds of different things. And at the end of the day, what we found is if you control for everything, variety alone influence the, influences the flavor of whiskey. Oh, you hear, you heard it here first. Damn straight. Maybe. <laughs> That's fantastic, though. That is that, awesome. So what, so, so what I got out of it is we got to somehow get a grant to do 
something where we can get paid. Or we can sample 15 different varieties, right? Right. So what 15 different varieties did you ha- do you have? Yeah, I know I'm going to make so, you read off yeah, the phone. Me, I'm sorry well, about this. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Aroostook. And let me just give credit where credit is due here. We worked with a, a small grain specialist at the University of Minnesota Crookston named Joachim Wiersma, who is like renowned in the region for rye varietals. And so he was able to help us identify varietals, not only from the area, but also from Europe. So we, en- we ended up going with Aroostook, Bono, yes, Bono, nice. Brissetto, Cassani, Dillon, yes, Dillon. Dillon. Bob Dillon, yes, Dillon, <laughs> Forsetti, Hazlitt, Hazlitt is our, our yeah. signature rye, okay. Musketeer, Oakland, Prima, Progas, Ryman, Spooner, and Triticale. Ah, triticale, that word. That's also been on this podcast before as well when we had Jared Kath on for yeah, one of our... Proof. Yep, from our, uh, one of our whiskey episodes. And uh, he was describing that he's got a triticale. So yes. when you opened up, I, everything probably must have ran smooth from day one. Oh, no yeah. No issues, no yeah. problems. Never, no. A, never. Oh, yeah. So Typical story, you know. Yeah. Open up, you sell out everything. And that's everybody's it. working nine to five. Happily no ever problems. Yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. Lobster bisque. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think uh, one of our, well, you know, it, it started out with a bang. Our, our first order was picked up a week before Christmas, December 16th, 2013. Mike had been up all night long distilling gin, literally all night long. And the delivery truck was showing up the next day. And I got here at 8 in the morning, and he hadn't even blended it yet, like proofed it or anything. And he was just kind of a zombie. And we had 300 cases to fill. And, we, you know, we're, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we were, we were still in the process, literally, of proofing the gin when the truck showed up. And the delivery driver was here. And we were like what the hell are we going to do? So Mike's, Skull. exactly. Mike's dad took him to lunch. Mike's dad like entertained him for an hour and a half. Finally, he's like, I can't, I don't know what to do. And that delivery driver ended up bottling our first order. Because <laughs> he was so, he felt so sorry for us. He's like, how can I help you? Uh, so that was like, it just, you know, it just started out with a bang from there. Um, it, it, so many crazy things in this business. It's, it's the wild west, you know, and I think part of it is the, kind of people that want to do this thing are high-risk people, you know? Right, right. Who wants to build a distillery in the middle of a wheat field? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what, did, what did you do by accident that people should be wary of and not do if all that? Well, I mean, just, just recently, Mike will kill me for saying this, but the first time we got our blue gin ready, this is just three months ago, mm-hmm. he mixed up his units of measure and added, like, three times the amount of blue that he needed to make the gin blue and it looked like scope, you know? Oh, no. It was like, shit, they're picking this up tomorrow. What are we going to do? So we had to like, he literally had to redistill it to get some of the blue out because it was so blue because he, he substituted gallons for liters. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. If a train leaves the station, you know, it's like, oh man. It's math. It's math. Well, let's get well, into we'll this. We'll tell him not to listen to this episode. Yeah, don't listen to this, Mike. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's get into this first, uh, this first bourbon, right? So this is the rock. When did you guys start doing bourbons? Then? So bourbon actually started quite early in the process. Um, and in the intent, it was funny. My Mike's 
intent was not to make bourbon, but he made it so that he had used he bourbon. He swapped those things around again. Yeah, no, like, was, <laughs> oh, oh, I put too much corn in this one. Shit. Well, Wait, I, I went gallons instead of liters again. <laughs> he, uh, he wanted to have some used bourbon barrels to put rye in because that was a, a bourbon barrel finish was something we wanted to do. So he laid down 253-gallon barrels of bourbon and he let it sit for five years and we tasted it and I just said you better make some more bourbon this is amazing and you know if you look at the the category I think so 2015 2016 is when he started making bourbon and I think we released we released our first batch of it um, probably about three years ago and it, it's it's sold out I mean we can't keep up with the bourbon we don't we don't make as much as rye um, but the category of bourbon is huge. It's like yeah. David and Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we also feel like, you know, there's so many people making so many great bourbons. Let's, let's kind of focus on the rye. But we do, we do make it. We sell a lot of it. Um, we're using an heirloom corn, uh, non-GMO variety of corn that we grow. Like it's, we counted, it's 88 steps from the still. <laughs> in case you get like lost out in a snowstorm. Right. Tie Which yourself has off. been known to happen. Follow the rope. So this, Go to the light. So is this 51% corn or is this an 80 or how? 60. 60 and 30% of the Hazlitt rye. Hazlitt rye. 10% barley. So this is a five-year that one is a two-year. Two-year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's 94 proof. What do you guys get on this one on the nose? You get a lot of, a lot of heat. Yep. Do you? I, I do. Not but a lot, I, but I, I get some. Super sweet. Yeah. Uh, brown I, sugar, vanilla. Vanilla. Vanilla, a lot of it. Corn. Caramel. CVO. Caramel, vanilla, oak. Yeah, but like... Mm. But yeah, there's a lot of that caramel more than normal. And there's something else in there, too. Well, I just get, that, you know, like I said, uh, some brown sugar... And then you get a little bit of that rye spiciness. And get a little orange feel. Man, I like, oh, this. By the way, good, good lacing on this. Legs. Legs are great. I get that uh, burn kind of right away. It'd and then with some hope. woodiness, because apparently you love to keep bringing up wood. And, Boing. Uh, why not? But then, yeah, so it's, it's, it hits initial, that oak, right? And then it, and it just calms right into this nice, sweet vanilla. And, again, that caramel, like a creme brulee, like, like the top's been slightly torched. Uh, I get a slight bit of orange peel, uh, possible a little bit of coriander in there. I almost, I almost get like an earthy back tone on it as well, like in the back of the mouth when it's all done and finishes out. Like nice and earthy. I added a little water to it because I'm a wuss. Really mellows out that stringent burn, and it and it somehow brings out more of the oak at the end, and then kind of finishes with that kind of vanilla. I put a little more whiskey in mine. Yeah, you would, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it still tastes great. That's the W O U L D, by the way, Knox. All right, which one do you want to try next, Cherry? I like this one. I say mm. let's go with our flagship next, um, which would be the Rockner Minnesota Rye Whiskey Cognac Cask Finish. This again, uh, we're doing a 15-gallon barrel, just shy of two years, month in cognac, 80 rye, 10 corn, 10 malt barley. Remy Martin XO. Yeah. So when you, when you mentioned the vanilla, vanilla note in the bourbon, um, Hazlitt 
the variety Hazlitt is characteristically vanilla. I would say there's a lot yeah, of vanilla in that. Yeah, a lot of vanilla. I almost think this smells sweeter than the uh, bourbon. Yeah. I get almost like creme brulee on the nose. Mm. I, get some, uh, I get some baking spice on the nose, too. Just a slight bit. Can I see? Nutmeg? I thought we were going to do the Maryland-style rye next, so I may you have given right. you the second you, bottle. Oh, my God. You were right. I may have given you the second bottle, so that may have been... See, I'm just sitting over here drinking, getting things all <laughs> It's all right. It's okay, as long as we keep drinking. Just keep Woo-hoo! drinking. It'll be oh. fine. This one is nice and dry at the end, too. I like that. And it, it does really have that, like, kind of nuttiness on the back end of this one. A lot more of that creme brulee, like you were saying. I always... Um, really oily, too, on the glass. I don't know what's going on with my nose, but I thought maybe I had poured this into one of the gin glasses that I used earlier, because I get, I don't know, something something floral-like floral. like that gin. Yeah, no, I hear you. I get it. That's why, yeah. I, that's why I poured a sec- in a second glass. I'm like, I think I fucked up. <laughs> that's crazy. And, and that's also how you get more whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep going, I... I Mixed, so how do you guys, I'm just curious, because I'm always looking for ways to describe the difference between bourbon and rye, and, and most of the things that I've read don't really satisfy what I taste when I taste bourbon and rye. How do you, how do you describe the difference? Uh, I would describe the difference as bourbon being uh, more oaky, uh, rye being spicier, pepperier, more, a little more pepperier. Uh, I would say more caramel on a bourbon than you then versus I, oh, you'll get more vanilla on a rye. I think typically uh, bourbons have a, a, an underlying sweetness to them when they finish, where rye has that <clears throat> spiciness across the back or the sides of your tongue. That's what I typically get out of them. But there's so many different ryes that I've been trying lately that have like a lot more fruit type mm-hmm. things going on. Yeah, I'm really getting excited about rye for the first time in my entire career drinking whiskey i just thought i just didn't like rye that's why i wasn't into canadian whiskeys hardly at all um until we had that episode that we did on canadian whiskeys <laughs> with chow well and it, it's interesting because a lot of canadian whiskeys even if they're called rye they're not made from rye mm-hmm. yeah they right. can kind of do what they want i think right yeah yep. they don't have to be 51 percent like we do in it's written in law that says reminiscent of Canadian rye whiskeys. It's yep. brown. As li- yeah. As li- <laughs> as if it's brown, drink it's, it it's brownish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I like the dryness in the back end of this one. The, the, uh, I'm so glad this is non-chill filtered because I get so much oil in the glass. It makes the mouth feel, feel so good on the tongue. Coat's really nicey. Long legs on it. Uh, I'm liking this one. Any final I do notes, too. Guys? And usually... I'm like a, I like sweeter things typically. That's why I'm kind of like uh, learning to appreciate bourbons a lot because it's typically sweeter because with the corn. Usually rye has got more heat, more spice. Um, and it gets to the point where that's kind of a little much for me. But this is really good. It's a bit intimidating for you. Right, yeah. Because, uh, you know, look at me. I look like I'm easily intimidated. You big yeah. wuss. So we might, we might want to go here next and come back around to the Maryland style because this is the same mash bill as what you just drank, okay. except it's finished in a sauterne 
cask as opposed to cognac. So that's going to be a sweeter. I, I think Sotur- I would Saturnus say this one's going to be a little more fruity. I, okay. I mean, you would, yeah. I mean, you could say fruit sweet because it's uh, Sauternes is a French dessert wine, um, but I, I think it kind of plays itself out in a almost apricot fruit way. And I love apricot fruit. Oh yeah, vanilla and fruit. Oh, on what, the nose, what, I, I get what time citrus. Of the podcast, do we have the nap? When does the nap come? <laughs> when we're all done, and we <laughs> and we say at the end of the episode, "May your glasses be full and your spirits high." That's when we can take a nap. <laughs> okay, right after it. that, man, I get a Sometimes lot of during. Yeah, I get a lot of like creamsicle. That's only happened one time. I get creamsicle on this. That's nose. a good. That's a good one right there, Knox. Yes. Just that vanilla ice cream and a little bit of citrus in the back end. It's like New peel. York vanilla ice cream. Oh, my favorite. I think it's kind of creamier. Is that the difference between New York vanilla and regular vanilla? I think New York vanilla has a slight yellowish to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it because it's dirty because it's from New York or what? I don't know. God, that's another podcast. <laughs> right? That's another episode. I want to make New York vanilla uh, whiskey uh, cask yeah. finished whiskey, right? So, Sassadernis is a French sweet wine from the region of the same name in the Graves section in Bordeaux. Sassadernis wine is made from Sémillon, Sauvignon Blanc, and Muscadel grapes that have been affected by Botrytis. Yeah, you're doing Botrytis a great job. Noble Sinera, Rot. Also known as Noble Rot. Yes, you are correct, Sherry. Thank you very much. So, it's a white wine. Yep. French dessert oh, white wine. This smells like I'm going to love it. So turn casts are used by scotch makers, and it took us three years to find these turn casts. It, the, the scotch makers snap them up, and they're really, really rare and hard to come by. And how much of this did you make, by the way? Because you said this is going to be a rare find for our listeners out there, correct? Yeah, we're going to release just 100 cases of this in July. Man, I can't wait. I do think, can I give a shout out to a particular establishment? Of course. I believe the Radisson in Fargo pours this in a cocktail. Really? Oh my, this is tasty. Very sweet. Almost carrot carrot cake. Some uh, some orange peel, for sure. Yeah, I think think you get like raisin. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a raisin quality there. Um, Dried fruit. Kind of like semi-sweet dry fruit. Mm-hmm. It is sweet. It's good. It's got a stronger spicy finish, yeah. I think. Yep. I was going to uh, say it, it's building up to stings that. more. Building up to that, right? Yeah. But the very back end, on the back of my tongue, it's got the tingle. You know, it's like my tongue's dancing. I think this might be my, uh, my favorite one so far that we've had today, as far as the whiskeys goes. It's got a long finish to it. It stays with yeah. you for a while. I like that. This might be one of those I wouldn't mind, a, like a, maybe a little water. I wonder what it would do. Man, I, I, oof. you know, I hate to say it, but I, uh, another year in a barrel would make this just smooth out so much. You think so? I think so. Well, but it's still fucking really good. So you're saying it's good, but. Yeah. <laughs> God dang, this is good. I added a little bit of water uh, to it, and it really didn't. Maybe toned it down a little bit, but I don't know if it was worth it. Because it's, it's really good and neat. So, I'm yeah, this is, this is pretty good. I'm kind of surprised. Never thought I'd like rye as much. All, All right. right. So, uh, the next one is the Maryland style. 
So tell us about this one, Sherry. So Maryland style. Um, I got to back up and talk about Dave Pickerel because he is legendary in the whiskey world. Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. <laughs> I actually have that. Is that, is that new? <laughs> there it is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so Dave Pickerel is uh, where we got we got this mash bill from him. It's George Washington's original mash bill. Dave. Uh, worked at Maker's Mark for 14 years before he consulted on whiskey, and uh, he started Whistle Pig. He, he is truly legendary. He sadly passed uh, away a couple years ago, um, but he worked with us in when we started up, and he came out here. My favorite story about Dave is he, he came out here as a big guy. Dry, he, he often would, would be found dressed like Boss Hog. At, at a whiskey event, yeah. a whole white tuxedo tails, a whole deal, and he he had the the physique to match. For our he, younger listeners, please Google Dukes of Hazards Boss Hog. There you go. He came up here. He's from Kentucky, and he came up here and he stood out. Our distillery wasn't even completely built, but he stood out on the end end of the driveway and he looked out into the. Fields and he said, "Man, you could watch your dog run away for three days up here." <laughs> <laughs> right? And he, uh, yeah, he just was a, had a way about him. Could tell a story, spin a yarn. But he uh, he gave us this mash bill. So this is uh, Mount Vernon Project uh, is George Washington's distillery, and they're using all the techniques that were available to distillers back in the day. And so this is sixty five percent Hazlitt rye. Uh, 25% heirloom corn and 10% malt, malt barley. So in general, mm. if you ask five distillers what Maryland-style rye is, you'll get five different mash bills. Um, but in general, uh, Maryland-style is more corn. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it smells a lot sweeter, almost like uh, a little bit lemony too, almost. Yeah, I, I don't get any uh, like alcohol burn off the aroma in this. It's all kind of like sweetness and just mild. There's something. There's some fruit there that I can't figure out. Out and about and about. Yeah. Well, it's my it's my rye voice. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Mm. Definitely, I can definitely uh, tell that there's more corn in this one than the other ones. So you guys uh, almost kind of pineapple-y. Weirdly enough, pineapple and, and white peppercorn on the nose. You've, you've talked to the folks over at Revelation Ale and Halleck, right? Yeah, yes. we were just there yesterday, actually. So if you, I don't think he works there anymore, but Dave Sears, do you remember? Did you ever talk to Dave? No, we talked to uh, Ryan, Tilden, and, and Lindsay. Yeah, the, the owners. Well, Dave, Dave's a, a bicycle fanatic who lived in Grand Forks, and he worked at Rev Ales for several years. And he, this was his favorite. Like I think, I think of Maryland-style rye, and I think of Dave, because he, he would come in, and he was just like, he was fanatical about this rye. And I was like, really, Dave? This is like not my favorite, but he was really into it, which I just liked it because he, he just showed me that it's like beauties in the eye. The yep. beholder, you know? <laughs> everybody like, has their own everybody's unique got taste. Their own, you can't just yeah. sell the fireworks that you like. Right, right. I like, <laughs> I like typically sweeter things, and Chris likes shit. You got your poppers, your widow makers, your fingerless. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> this, one has, this one has a really um, nice drying effect on the, on the tail end of this one. I get a little bit more of that burn on the taste than I do the aroma, 
but it it doesn't really burn. It just kind of just dries out the tip of my tongue. I feel like this one is super dry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes you keep going back to the glass, mm-hmm. which which is know, dangerous. It's, <laughs> it's an enabler. Yeah, right. Here, just have some more. There's, yeah, you know, this is... there's multiple styles of rye. There's the mm. Pennsylvania style, Maryland style. I mean, this is an established Those style. were kind of the two, yeah. two main ones, right? Um, and I think, I think, you know, rye's got this storied background. Pre-prohibition, there was more rye in, in the country than bourbon. Yep. And prohibition just really kind of decimated the rye whiskey industry. So what differentiates this one from the rest of the pack so far? Just a little bit more of that sweeter taste? More caramel, drying. I think that's that's super dry. That's like the really noticeable thing to me is how much it just it takes all the moisture right out of you. Like it wants more wood to to soak (laughs) into and get flavors out of the. Get me the hell out of here! Drive it out. (laughs) All right, what's the uh, what's that one? The next one. The last one we got here is our hundred percent rye. So this is Rockner 100% Rye Green Label. Thank you, Chad Kaya. Shout out to my favorite whiskey drinker, Chad Kaya. Um, this is Hazlitt. And this is the one that has our custom rye malt from Adam at Vert- Vertical Malt. Um, this one, I think, is of, uh, of the rye, this is probably my f- favorite. It's... Um, just such a pure expression of the varietal. Yep. And that's when we, it's going to be a lot more vanilla than in. Okay. Correct. Yep. Excellent. Yep. I already like this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about the five year. I haven't tasted it recently. Um, the five year old uh, 100% Rockner is coming out in June. This Only, one's two as well? This one's two, right. And, well, you're going to have to save us a bottle that five year. You got it. All right. I uh, really like this one. <laughs> You've already had it, right? I uh, yeah, it was the, yeah. <laughs> cheater, cheater, pumpkin. Yep. Oh, much more sweeter than the nose. I get raisins on the nose on this one, honestly. Is it, this is weird? But I get a little yogurt. Oh, that's weird. Yogurt. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just stupid like that. I got a weird nose. Like plain yogurt. Yeah, because I hate plain yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to make a new sounder. <laughs> you fucker. Oh, I get like a muffin too. That's bready. Yeah, like, but not just bready, but like sweeter, like muffin, like muffin, like a dough. vanilla muffin. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, a muffin. Everybody's favorite With vanilla muffin. <laughs> you know, I'm not going with words. Our plan with this um, this particular label going forward is that every year we release it it will be a different variety of rye okay so this year it's hazlitt next year it will be musketeer so it's our our chance to really expose the varietal expose the flavor and explore those differences in flavors per 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 each variety i really like your ideas that's fantastic they are fantastic ideas no i i I really love the idea of of Putting out the same thing, but it's different, right? You know, just because you're switching up what grain it is, but well, it's still the, the rye. You go you know? on our website. The first thing you'll see is a, a picture of Mike standing in a field of rye, and, and underneath it, it says, "Drinking is an agricultural act." Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw that this morning. I think I that that is where we that's where we start because you know the wine world. You would never go to a 
a wine shop and, and, and ask them, well, what kind of wine do you have? Well, we have grape wine. Look at all these <laughs> grape, grape wines, you know? Um, and I think let's explore that conversation with rye. I still just get, it, it's a lighter floral and kind of earthy. So with this, uh, uh, this specific variety, you like this one because it has more of that vanilla, the vanilla notes in the rye, in the grain? Yeah, yeah I just, I, um, part of me likes the fact that it isn't cask finished, you know, that you get, it's a little more exposed. I, I love the cask finishes for like sipping, but I just feel like if you're, you're going to have a go-to daily rye, this would be, you know, just... Perfect for a, 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 to make a really good cocktail in. Yeah. I mean, I think all of these whiskeys are absolutely perfect for cocktails. That's for sure. So, 100% rye. This is pretty good. I get some of that burnness. Bur- yeah. Bur- yeah. I think so. <laughs> uh, it goes from like, right away you get that sweet and, and that oakiness, and then it goes to kind of like a little bit of that alcohol burnness but it mellows out really quick and then it just kind of stays underneath uh the flavors and and there's i taste something and i, I i'm sorry i can't it's something it, I, I get the vanilla i get the oak of course um you mentioned raisins on the aroma mm-hmm. maybe some sort of dark fruit I, it's hard to pinpoint the very tail end of it yeah but and then it just it it has long legs it has a long finish and, and it's just like it stays with you for a while and it's like Wow, that's that's pretty good. And I would have thought something 100% rye would be like burn my nostrils out, right? <laughs> Chris. And this is 47%, so I mean it's that's pretty dry, almost like it's tannic, like a wine, like there's grape peel or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. going on there. I don't this is super enjoyable. And I but I can't I think is it grape maybe a little bit? I don't know. I dig it though. One thing I've noticed so far is these are all 94 proof. They are. Yeah. So do you, do you purposely, uh, you know, kind of monitor the barrels and, and add water to get to that specific proof? Uh, that's like your best proof that you found for your grain here? So that is Mike, my husband, distiller's choice. He, so the labels are blank. We get the labels. There's no proof written in. We have to write it in on every bottle. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> um, wow but, so when you say you have like 200 cases yeah your handwriting on yeah we one. we have a group of dedicated volunteers that literally like charlene clegstead my home ec teacher from high school and mary lundberg <laughs> yeah. our neighbor down the road they come in and they write those in with a gold pen is there a reason that we're there well because so, i mean uh they're all the same numbers they it's are 47 94 and 750 yeah right right and and i think what it is is we have bottled a few of them at different proofs. And what we have also done recently is a lot of private barrels. And also we just did one for Happy Harry's at Cast Strength. Oh, yeah? And I, we haven't bottled it yet. We're going to bottle it on Wednesday. And my guess is it's going to be somewhere between 112 and 118 proof. <sighs> so, right. <sighs> I, Knox is going to start talking about wood here again. These are my favorite. I just moaned. I just moaned. That's how how much I'm liking this. Oh, well, we might want to we want to taste one of those off air too. We have we we bottled quite a few um, private barrels at 
cast strength, and and so that that gives us the ability. We've we've done some hundred percent at ninety six proof. <laughs> Typically, Mike likes to he just wants to keep his options open, and he he always says we're going to bottle it at the bar at the proof it deserves. Um, so that's why we keep that open. So you're obviously open to uh, doing private selects, right? Yep. How does somebody go about talking you into doing a private select? Uh, we generally, you know, we have to go through a retailer. Write, write this down. So a, a store. <laughs> right. We'll do a BBR private select. Here we go. Well, we do have a tax ID number. Mm-hmm. You got to have a you got to have a liquor license. Damn it. Yeah. So we we have to go through a retailer, but but you know, like like I said, Happy Harry's. We've done them for we've done them for a lot of stores in Minnesota. Um, and then they just, we usually send them like two or three samples and they taste them and they decide which one they like and it's theirs. Nice. And, yeah. We know some people at Bridgeview. All right. Well, how do people get a hold of you? They obviously have a website, farnorthspirits.com, correct? Correct. And you're located, what's the address here? So it's, um, you go to Fargo and take a right. <laughs> <laughs> somebody then asked, you go north and you take another right. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked, "How do you get to How do you get to Halleck from Minneapolis?" Well, you drive to Fargo and you take a right, um, and then you drive until you see Canada and you turn left at the mailboxes. So we're. I mean, I just—it doesn't even make sense to give an address to this place because it's like so far. Google it, people. Yeah, if you want to Google it, it's, it's, it's uh, twenty forty-five. It's on their website. Avenue. Yeah, uh, you can click uh, right on the website. Yeah. You can Google there's it. A, there's a link you, on our website that says "Visit us," and it'll show yeah. you a map and all that jazz. We're ten minutes from Halleck, um, so you drive to you know if you drive to Halleck, there's signs on the highway for yeah. how to get here. Yep, we saw them. Yeah, we it was all, a really we tiny one. <laughs> I pointed them out. Yeah. Knox is like, I think we turned here. I'm like, how about where it says Far North Spirits? How about that road instead? That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm an impressive navigator. Backseat driver. Well, somebody had to do something. Yeah, but we... we um, you guys are on are, Facebook, obviously, and you guys are on Instagram as well. Are you on Twitter or yes, TikTok? I love Twitter. I, I, TikTok is like not my thing yet, but I love Twitter. But you can buy our stuff on our website, too. And uh, they can ship to states only legally allowed to ship to other states. Learn that. That's, uh, right now, uh, North Dakota and Minnesota, we're currently on lockdown from oldtowntequila.com. God damn it. Ship to us <laughs> soon. <laughs> All right. And you can also uh, get a hold of them <clears throat> at 612-720-3738. And you guys, what are your hours of operation? We are open every Saturday night from 5 to 9 p.m., and you can make reservations on our website. Hey, that's tonight. If, yep. If you want to come in at any other time, you got to make reservations. So we, we should make, make sure reservations. Yeah, we should. So we did. All right. Months ago. It was great. I noticed um, there were some people here when we got here because they were in our way. Um, so they were from Tennessee, like, though. Really? Oh, yeah, really? Really? Yeah, oh. So yeah. they came all the way up here to get some good whiskey. Yeah. So they look at this place and said, uh, "Well, well, let's this be is honest, a ten. I see Tennessee whiskey is kind of fucking garbage shit, but that's just but my they, opinion." They, they said they live close to uh, Buffalo Trace and Heaven Hill and Woodford oh. Reserve and Four Roses, yeah. and I was like, "Damn, Ooh, you guys are motherload." Those are all my favorite places. I knew they would be, <laughs> and uh, they're actually within pretty close range to each other, so. I'm yeah. jealous of those guys and 
in a Tennessee. If I worked at Buffalo Trace, I'd chuck rocks at other distilleries. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Any other final thoughts for today, guys? Before pictures we, uh, of buffalo on the rock. Before we go and uh, enjoy some mixed uh, beverages. Chris, got anything? Um, you can follow me here. Uh, well, not, not here because we're already I think that's I'm called stalking. Here. Yes. Yeah, you're picking <laughs> up what I'm putting down. <laughs> but I wish you'd leave it there. I put it down for a reason. It's not sanitary. It's not anyway, sanitary. or you can also, if you like, uh, if you if you want to hear me snore and talk in my sleep, you can follow my girlfriend's TikTok at Squiggly Giglio. And no, it's not a psycho. No, no it's. I, I told her as long as there's filters on it, so it's like uh, me as a potato. I'm He's talking such in a my cute sleep. potato too. <laughs> oh my god! She's talking about it's finances. funny. It's actually pretty funny. She's got some other stuff. Um, that she's going to put out. But check that but out. It's fun. It's you fun. Do. I'm a hilarious in my sleep, but almost too boring awake. <laughs> you, you do snore, too. Fucking dude. <laughs> I told you. All night long. My, I had some friends I took a trip with, too, and I, uh, they're like, Keely's like, you it's not the snoring that gets you. It's this. Because <laughs> it's like my lips. Is he breathing? My lips. St- well, I don't breathe. I quit. I quit. I, I, I snore and then I stop breathing. And then there's this big puff of air that comes out of my tightly sealed lips. <laughs> I don't know what it's about, but it happens. <laughs> I'm almost ready to go, but nope. <laughs> Bigger and where can they find you? Uh, right out here, right ditch. now. Because this was kind of fun. This was kind of my first... It, this was a new experience for us because, mm-hmm. yes, we've been to like Prairie Rose Meadery, uh, which mm-hmm. is a meadery, and Wild Terra, which is a cider bar. But this is our first like spirits um, establishment. So this, was, this is. was a lot of fun. Thank you for yeah. having yeah. us. Thank you, Sherry, for having us. Great. I, I, Otherwise, normally you can find me across the street. But right here, it'd be in a field. Yep, passed out face down in a ditch. All right, we what a way to go, though. We here at Brew, Brews, Booze, and Reviews want to thank you, Sherry, for Reese, for inviting us out here to find our spirits. And we also want to thank you, our listeners, without whom this podcast couldn't happen. And to you, we say, may your glasses be full and, and your spirits high. Cheers. This has been a Predicate Productions episode of Brews, Booze, and Reviews. For more information, head over to brewsboozandreviews.com. Special thanks to our sponsors for supporting our podcast. You too can support our show by supporting them. We have merch for sale that you can purchase from our Shops tab on Facebook. We also have extra content that you can access by going to patreon.com slash brewsboozandreviews.